0: Welcome to Everyday Theologian. We're excited to have you with us to be able to have conversation about what God is doing in our world, in our lives, and here in Chippewa. (laughs) I'm your co-host, Pastor Ty Cordemash, Associate Pastor at Chippewa United Methodist Church. And with me today, as always, is Chad Lewis.
1: How are you guys doing?
0: All right. So here we are in our third episode, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about some spiritual discipline uh, things. We've been talking about that through Lent, and we're going to talk about justice as a spiritual discipline. That's not normal, but we're going to do it. <laughs> and then we're also going to, uh, in this episode, talk a bit about Holy Week as well, and just some of the ways that we, as uh, United Methodists, as Protestants, um, and as the people here at Chippewa United Methodist, uh, worship and acknowledge Holy Week. So, so let's get going. Yeah. All right. So the first thing we're going to talk about this, uh, today is um, justice as a spiritual discipline.
1: I mean, that's hard in the everyday life, let alone as a spiritual discipline.
0: Yes. So, yeah, I think it's going to, like, this is the big challenge. In any spiritual discipline, we've said that our focus is to have time with God, to allow every action that we choose to engage in, whether it's prayer, fasting, Um, study of scripture, whatever it is, that we are coming at it with the attitude that we are going to meet with God and that our desire is that we would be changed in the midst of it. Yes. So to say that we want to practice justice as a spiritual discipline, I think really gets to the heart of what justice is for a Christian. Because we can talk about justice. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about all the ways (laughs) in this world, in our legal system, in this specific country, in other countries, what justice looks like and how how it's displayed. But when it comes down to it, that's not at all the way the kingdom of God works. Right. That is the kicker for us. That's where the rubber meets the road kind of thing. So um, if you are one who um, has been listening to podcasts or any of the audio, you might have caught uh, Pastor Allen's sermon on justice, which happened to be over Palm Sunday, <laughs> which is actually kind of perfect. It was kind of incredible the way um, the way they kind of just melded together so perfectly So, Palm Sunday in the church, in the Christian faith, is when we uh, recognize and remember when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the last time he entered Jerusalem before his death. And and, and he's fulfilling the prophecy from the Old Testament that that the Messiah would come, that he would ride a colt into the city, and... So there comes Jesus, the the Messiah, the one who was promised, the one who had been foretold of, and he's not the one that people are expecting. The Jewish people are looking for someone to come like David, like King David did, where, you know, there was this, military bravado, this power, this strength, um, you know, where there would be someone who would come and have an army and be able to take over the land. No more Roman Empire, no more having to deal with some outside force, but someone that's going to come and set things in their mind right. Yeah. That that would be this overarching justice that would come to them as the Jewish people, as the people of God. Jesus enters, (laughs) fulfilling all of those scriptures, but he did not have an army following him. He did not have some power that was going to overtake the Roman Empire and put things in their mind right. Instead... Jesus came as the Messiah, humbled himself, was, showed himself as a servant to all, dying for all of us on the cross. And that is where the power came. Not what they were expecting at all. So then to say that justice is a spiritual discipline for Christians, we have to be really careful where we're looking for justice what we want it to look like, um, and make sure that we're not allowing the justice of our human understanding, the justice of this world to cloud our understanding as Christians. Exactly. That's a toughie. So, I mean, as Christians... We have to hold on to all of these things that, that we're called to be, all the things that Jesus showed us, all the things that Jesus taught us, right? So as Christians, we're taught that um, that people will know us, that others will know us by our love, right? We're told that, um, that the fruit of the Spirit, which is to be within us as Christians, is um, love, joy, peace. Patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, um, self-control. I think I missed one in there. <laughs> There's nine of them. I'm pretty sure I missed one. But That's
1: more than I remember. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: um, but that these are supposed to be the things that that characterize us as Christians, right? So when we have these characteristics that are supposed to be who we are, our character traits... Um, then whenever we start using our voice to be able to speak to important issues or to be able to talk about things that are going on in our lives, in our community, in our world, um, it's one thing to be bold with uh, a truth, especially as it pertains significantly to Jesus and to the teaching of Scripture. But if if our statements are not, if our statements and our actions are not um, held together by those fruit of the Spirit, if it's not held together by kindness and gentleness, then we need to be taking some steps back and and watching how our words and how our actions impact others. Yes, we should definitely be challenging um, the ways of this world. But if we're doing it in a way that comes across as being cruel, as a way that is unkind, that is unloving, then we are not witnessing to the goodness of the gospel, to the goodness of God, to God's love and grace, the way Christians should be. So then whenever we start to look at things about justice. That's when we really need to be able to take a step back and and observe for ourselves um, not only our actions, but we can look to those around us as well. And if we are looking at justice as a discipline, as a spiritual discipline, then we need to allow God to be transforming us in this process. I think a really great way that Pastor Allen was able to uh, pull out from his sermon the other week was that he talked about how mercy is a way that we care for someone, right, that we um, help uh, help them with food, perhaps, or uh, offer to just assist in some way. But justice is asking the question, why? Why are they in need of food? Why is there a need in this way or that way? Why are people being treated one way as opposed to another? And whenever we look at at that question, then we also get to start to ask these questions about are there some systems in place that prevent people from accessing food? Mm -hmm. Um, And then what can be done? how can we do something about it because it's true there you know this this world is um broken <laughs> we like to say that in the christian world you know that that this world is full of sin and and brokenness and so not everything is going to work out perfectly for everyone and we know because there's sin in this world because um you know we are not going to get it right as human beings because there are human beings who want nothing to do with God, and so there will continue to be things that will get in the way of, you know, what we might call a perfect system or a perfect world. Um, we can recognize that that that's a truth and that that's a fact, and so while things. Um, might never be perfect this side of eternity (laughs) until Christ comes again in um, in eternal and full victory and power. That doesn't mean that we don't want to try, that we're not going to make an effort. That we're not, you know, we want to be as people of Christ, we want to say, because of my love, because of the love of God that is within me, I'm going to make every effort I can to help bring God's kingdom in some way here on earth. Because that's also what scripture says that, you know, that while God's kingdom is not fully here, there is still this. Uh, visible witness of God's kingdom and the difference in the kingdom of God as opposed to the kingdom of this world. So I I may not be able to change everything, but I'm going to do my part to try, (laughs) right?
1: Yeah. We all have our own sphere of influence. Um, Sure, definitely. the, The people that we know, the people that we interact with, that we can make small differences every day. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it might not be changing the way things are, um, but it could be uh, helping to um, either empower or uh, I, I guess as simple as being with somebody in a process to help make something easier. Um, and over time things may change. Uh, I, I'm not necessarily convinced that justice is instantaneous.
0: Oh, no. Um,
1: mercy, showing mercy, doing acts of mercy can be, uh, but justice is a process.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that.
1: Um, you know, we we, we started with uh, talking about Palm Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, the, the people that greeted Jesus were looking for their own idea of justice mm-hmm. in his arrival. Uh, what he brought was God's justice, the process that began reconciling us to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm reminded of uh, Micah 6, 8, as we talk about justice. Uh, it says, uh, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? act justly love mercy and walk humbly with your God in other uh, translations it may say seek justice mm-hmm. um, which I like the I like that better because it in, it implies that that is a process
0: mm. yeah that's good
1: um, I mean in, in both translations here it's uh, you know, there, there is this process, but there's also a responsibility mm-hmm. on our part with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and really understanding what justice is uh, for those around us and for ourselves. It's complicated. Um, and it, it really takes time for, I think, each individual to process and to work out kind of what just like we have we have uh i guess societal ideals and standards that we're striving towards for justice um but really getting to the heart of justice uh, that, that that's something that each individual needs to work on um which is why it's a spiritual discipline.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, and in that regard, it makes total sense why it's a spiritual discipline, right? That it's not because... So John Wesley talks about justice and this, um, these acts of justice as being something that is um, motivated by love, <laughs> that love being the motive equals justice as a consequence. Mm, yes. Right, so if, if we recognize that just as much as we need to be in prayer, just as much as we need to be studying God's word, all of these things are ways that we're engaging God and knowing God more. So even maybe just a way of like absorbing even more of the love of God. That it's in in knowing God and and absorbing that love in studying scripture and seeing how how the justice of God comes through Jesus Christ. And when we recognize the acts of Jesus Christ and the love that is shown through, through Jesus from God for the world, right, it's that then saying, oh, I am being transformed. My, my character and my being is for love. And all of a sudden we then can recognize that our actions and our motives are those of justice, of God's justice. You know, I think that's one of the reasons why some people, and we're always amazed when we see it or hear it, but why we'll hear of someone who's lost a loved one to murder. And They'll say, they'll make a public statement that's something like, I've forgiven that person who killed my, my loved one. Some people who have even gone so far as to communicate with the person and get to know them. Well, and we talked about this before we even got on here, but the whole thing that, that just because we think something is fair according to this world, or something seems just according to this world, is not just in the eyes of God. And Scripture says that we need to leave justice to God. Mm, Yeah. So, So we are called to be people of grace and forgiveness. We are called, like Jesus said, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, I tell you. You know he doesn't. He doesn't want us taking a life for a life, but instead we are to love our neighbors, um, to pray for those who persecute us. We are to essentially do the opposite of what the world tells us to. That is some wild justice. It's not something that we're used to. That's for sure. And I can't help but think about it because it's just something... I don't know why, but in our house, we tend to watch those cop shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, and it's funny enough, it was just like last night, I think. Um, we were watching one, and I knew it was one I'd seen before, but there was a cop who decided that he wanted to know what it was like to be in solitary confinement because the person had committed a crime against this individual as a cop, and he thought if this guy's really telling me that solitary confinement can mess your head up that bad, I want to know what it's like. And in a weird turn of events, because you don't expect this on these these shows, you know, the cop wanted to drop all charges against the person. And it, it was just, but it gave a different perspective. Not, you know, we're just so caught up in, if somebody hurts me, there needs to be what we call justice, there needs to be some kind of retribution. If somehow I'm prevented from receiving some kind of help or assistance, and it's because somebody messed up, then that person needs to pay for what I have been, uh, what's been withheld from me. You know, it's why we sue people all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's that's not what God calls us to. That's not who Christ calls us to be, and that's a really hard place to be if if we're not motivated by love.
1: so in that sense, justice is about redemption and a restoration, not retribution,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, we, we kind of see this play out not just in, like, cop shows, but, like, movies all the time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially more superhero or uh, anti-hero movies, mm-hmm. right? I'm, I'm thinking, uh, like, Batman or The Punisher or uh, what's that one that um, Denzel Washington's in? He's in a bunch that are all, like, the same. I know, right? Um, but these, this idea of someone taking justice in their into their own hands yeah um and it it's usually played out in an hour and a half to two hours of just a violent beat-'em up movie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and i I think I think it's really easy in that regard for that narrative to uh just kind of penetrate what we consider right and wrong within society mm-hmm um, and then we even we even got the the, the term justifiable.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So if someone's been wronged enough and they seek their own justice, I guess that's right.
0: Mm-hmm. Whereas God says, "Don't take a life." Right. Those are. I mean, these are these are obviously pretty. Um, specific instances and mm-hmm. and there's going to be details that are going to be different in every one but um but yeah if we because this is also an opportunity for us to work for justice for someone who is being oppressed for someone who's, be, who's being hurt um why aren't we doing more to get people out of dangerous situations so they never have to feel like they are justified right in responding we're not loving our neighbor. We're not caring for our communities in the ways that we should be because, well, let's face it, in this world, we're all about number one. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that can get pretty, pretty tricky. But you're right. Like the, we should be about reconciliation redemption, I mean, Jesus is the redemption of the world. If we're people who live according to the Bible and according to that truth that Jesus is the one who will redeem, then it's not about seeking the world's justice at this moment in our lifetime, but recognizing that the justice of God will be brought forth in its time. And so, then, that relieves from us um, actions that could be against our Christian faith. It also, though, in some way, unfortunately, um, you know, not everything can be put right in this world, and so there are going to be people who who suffer from injustice. Um, who suffer from discrimination, and we're not trying to get too deep into this stuff because we can get really deep into stuff, but um, but as much as I hate to say it, there are those who won't see um, justice according to this world in their lifetime, who haven't. Right. And so we need to be able to put our faith in a God who is good and who will bring His justice. His retribution in the way it needs to be, in the way God desires for it to be done. Yeah. So yeah, justice is a spiritual discipline, recognizing that it's our heart motive. And if our hearts are causing our actions to be that that is unkind, that is unloving towards another, then that's some time we need to spend with God on that discipline of justice. Recognizing, you know, like you've stated from Micah, because that's such a great passage, that justice would flow down, that we would, you know, that we would act in that way. Why? It's because of our love, because of the love of God that causes us to act and continue to seek after it, seek after justice. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty powerful stuff. Pretty
1: powerful. Hey, thanks for joining this week's conversation. We just wanted to take a moment and let you know that the United Methodist Women's Spring Rummage Sale is coming up in a couple of weeks. Being held in our Community Life Center, the sale will run Tuesday, April 20th from 9 to 6 p.m. and Wednesday, April 21st from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Items can be dropped off at the CLC beginning Sunday, April 11th and throughout the week from noon to 5 p.m. Please be sure not to leave any items at the church. If you have some time to spare and are willing to volunteer, the ladies are asking for a little bit of help all four days, but could especially use help setting up on Sunday, April 18th, between 12 and 6 p.m., and cleaning up at the end of the day on Wednesday. Thank you in advance for your donations and any help you may be able to provide. All right, let's dive back into the conversation. All right, so Holy Week. Holy uh, Week. Right in the middle of it uh, at the time of recording. Yes. Um, we already talked a little bit about Palm Sunday, um, but Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, um, in the season of Lent, uh, not everybody celebrates. No. Um, so why... What is important about Monday, Thursday and Good Friday and why do we as Methodists, um, as do some other denominations, choose to remember and celebrate these two days right before Easter?
0: Yeah. So it's, you know, within the United Methodist denomination, um, it's not something that's required that we would celebrate uh, Maundy Thursday and Good Friday. Um for some Protestant denominations, they will, they will use Palm Sunday and call it Palm Passion Sunday. So they mm-hmm. will actually like end their Palm Sunday service with some of the um, beginnings of what would happen at the end of, of Holy Week, you know, towards Good Friday with, with talk of Jesus and the Last Supper and coming to the cross. So there are those who will talk about Palm Passion Sunday um, and won't even get together the rest of the week for anything else.
1: That's interesting.
0: Yeah. But then there are some uh, in some Protestant denominations that do recognize Maundy Thursday. There's no A in that, (laughs) in the day. It's not Maundy Thursday. It's Maundy. Yes. (laughs) D Y. So Maundy Thursday, some recognize Good Friday. More recognize Good Friday um, than Maundy Thursday, which is also an interesting thing. You know, sometimes it's just whoever the pastor was for a time, (laughs) and whether or not they they, uh, wanted to do those services. Sometimes they've just not heard of it before, and so they don't know that there's something you could do throughout Holy Week, um, to participate in that.
1: That seems even more bizarre to me, Hmm. although I did grow up Catholic. So, I mean, everything that is done throughout Holy Week just seems normal.
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah. And you know, it's, well, whenever we grow up in a certain denomination, especially if you grow up in a certain denomination from childhood, you know, you just become used to the rituals of that, Denomination or that congregation, and um, and so yeah, you either are like, well, why wouldn't you do that, or I've never heard of this before. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and that's something as a United you know, Methodist pastor who moves from church to church. You know, some churches have very long-held traditions, like this congregation sings the palms. It's a song, um, usually sung by the choir. Uh, as an anthem or something or an introit, I had never heard it before. Uh, but if but to be in this congregation, they're like, "What? What do you mean? Of course we'll do that. <laughs> that's, that's something we always do." So uh, what's well,
1: even more uh, even more detailed here? There's like different versions of the poems. Yes. It's like there's one that the choir does that is totally different than one that might be in a hymnal.
0: <laughs> right. Right. I don't know what
1: those differences are other than it's different words. Yeah. <laughs> but that has been like that particular version has been such a long standing tradition here that anytime a different version is like shown or sung, mm-hmm. everybody's thrown off their game.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then as we come into Holy Week, then, and we actually take a look at and um, consider participating in in some of these other um, services or what we might call remembrances, Um, they're really surrounding those kind of final moments of Jesus. So Maundy Thursday is very specifically a service of communion and foot washing typically, right? Because in the... In the scriptures, we, we hear that Jesus has um, a last meal with his disciples. It is the Passover meal. So it's not an unusual thing for them. They're used to having the Passover meal every year, celebrating it with their families, um, remembering God's faithfulness and bringing God's people out of Egypt, um, and, and, and specifically sparing, uh, sparing them. Sparing their children, because that was in Egypt they were to um, put the the blood of a lamb over their doorpost, and that the angel of death would skip over them, would pass over them. And so this is just part of the Jew- Jewish tradition that they would remember that and celebrate that. So here's Jesus with his disciples; they're remembering and celebrating that. But at the beginning of that meal, Jesus does something that he's never done before, that would not have been customary for the host to do because Jesus was hosting in a way. Um, but he took off, took off an outer garment um, and tied a towel around his waist and proceeded to wash the feet of the disciples. And they were all weirded out like, what is going on? Why are you doing this? Don't do this. You don't need to wash my feet. And he said, I need to do this. You need to let me do this because I've come to be a servant to all. And this was like one of the biggest lessons for them, that we're to serve one another. We don't have dominion over each other. We're not to wield power over one another, but we're to serve one another. And especially those who are in some form of leadership, especially, are to be um, are to lead in a way that is full of service. People don't like having their feet washed.
1: <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I I totally understand the disciples' confusion. Um, yeah. in my time working with the youth group, uh, I like to make sure that we had a uh, a seder time together. Okay. Um, usually the Sunday right before Easter, because that's mm-hmm. when we met. Um. And I liked to add some foot washing before we went up and did the traditional, um, you know, Seder practice Mm -hmm. or Seder, which is that Passover meal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and some of the kids refused to get their feet washed. Some were like, I don't get it, but if you say so, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I think most of them though, just didn't want others to see their feet. (laughs) Okay. I mean, um, I know some people just don't like having their feet touched. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it is a, in my experience, it is an incredibly powerful moment uh, to just be able to serve each other in that way. Um, it, it breaks down, oddly, it, it breaks down some barriers between people. Um, but it is incredibly awkward Especially when you're like, okay, we're gonna do a feet washing now, and the whole room gets silent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I totally understand the that that momentary discomfort and, yeah. and confusion because mm-hmm. it still happens today.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, it totally does, and you're right. People just don't want their feet touched. They don't they don't like their feet. They think their feet are ugly. Whatever. Um, but there is that holy intimate moment and i think that's something that people don't realize will happen um or maybe they do subconsciously because it is such a it just feels like such a subservient type of thing yeah and but then to recognize that someone is doing this out of love for you is extremely powerful and transformational. It's a really incredible thing. So so Maundy Thursday, there are some services that, you know, some churches will do a foot-washing service. Mm -hmm. and uh, But then there are those many who don't want that. Um, And so they'll focus more on the Last Supper, the communion aspect of it, where Jesus gives those um, those important words, those life-changing words of adding these pieces to a, a meal that's, that never changes. You know, it's a meal that's the same every year. And yet he adds the breaking of the bread and the extra cup of wine, blessing them and acknowledging that it is his body and his blood. So in that service, focusing on those two aspects and then recognizing that when Jesus finished that meal, he not only essentially gave the person, Judas, who would betray him, the go ahead, you know, I know you're going to do it, let it be done. And then that he would go into the garden to pray these are so powerful such powerful moments um the humanity of Jesus in the midst of it you know even though he was fully God at the same time knowing that this was going to be excruciating uh, for him to go through as a human being and yet necessary as this as the Son of God um so th- that's a that's a pretty powerful, time to that a time of worship a, a time of remembrance not everybody does it but you know the, but that's so that's one of the things that we do um and then the next day we come together again on what we call good friday and it's that oxymoron right mm-hmm. we call it good when it's a day where we remember jesus death and not a nice, simple, painless death, <laughs> not an instantaneous death, but one that is full of beating, bruising, every possible excruciating pain that you could ever imagine. Um,
1: yeah. Designed to torture. Yes. And to shame.
0: Right. Yeah. I cannot even imagine. Right. So, so Good Friday, <laughs> typically if we do a service on Good Friday, it would be one, um, It's it could be called a tenebrae service that's used sometimes, or a service of the shadows um, is also used at some points. It's one that we've, listen, uh, there's no shame. We're all Christians. We all believe in Jesus, even if it's another denomination. Um, but a lot of it, you could say it's been adapted from the Catholic Church uh because it's been happening for centuries but um you know the catholic church would do the stations of the cross mm-hmm. and so it's something similar to that um we were looking it up and tene- uh, tenebrae is actually latin for darkness and it, maybe you have been a part of a service on a on a good friday but you haven't ca- ever called it that before um but maybe it's something similar that you've experienced, though. So, so typically, it's reading scriptures that um, are of you know Jesus being arrested, uh, going to the trial, have being beaten, um, uh, having the um, you know the soldiers um, mocking him, and all of those kind of things. All of the things that are leading up to his actual death on the cross. And, and so what happens, though, is that we'll read a few verses. We might sing a song, extinguish a candle, and just kind of space that out over the course of that time of worship, 30 minutes to an hour or something like that, uh, maybe longer. But just the continuing to extinguish and the darkness that comes. And um, and some, some places will even... Um, go so far as removing things from the sanctuary so if there were banners up you know to take those banners down in the process of the service and to remove like things from the altar anything of color um, to drape a cross if you've got a cross up in the front maybe you drape the cross with a black cloth so everything becomes dark and it's stripped and it just leaves people in that darkness and that silence to just ponder what happened to Jesus, all that happened. Just kind of leaning in and and sitting with that.
1: Yeah, those are those are really powerful services. Um. We used to have uh, someone in the church uh, owns a whip. Hmm. And as we read the scripture, we get to the portion of Jesus being whipped. Um, we used to have them crack the whip out uh, right outside the sanctuary in wow. the welcome center. And so that just kind of reverberated through the whole the whole space.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, just another level of... Right. I think we've done before... Um, having a cross up front in addition to what's normally there Mm -hmm. and having people come up and pound a nail in.
0: Yes, sure. Um,
1: So some of those extensions onto those services, Mm -hmm. very powerful moments and Mm -hmm. (laughs) definitely designed to have the attendee really reflect on the gravity Mm -hmm. of that day.
0: Totally, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible when we engage all of our senses or more than just, um, you know, what we're used to in a regular kind of worship service, when we can engage it in new ways and different ways, it gets our attention, how that it just affects our whole being Mm -hmm. and uh, really makes something a lot more powerful. Yeah. So then in, you know, most Protestant traditions, we don't do anything on that Saturday uh, between Good Friday and Easter. In the Catholic Church, they do typically have an Easter vigil. And um, I even know only because my sister-in-law became Catholic as an adult, and so she actually joined the church that during the Easter vigil, which was, you know, that's that's a pretty special thing. Yeah. Um, that she had gone through her catechism, for a couple months beforehand, and it was at that Easter vigil, the Saturday, that holy Saturday, where she joined the church. Of course, it was really late at night, um, which I always like to give her a hard time about. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we were still together, and and what a powerful time in a really really special way for that to happen. So so yeah, most Protestants don't usually do anything on that Saturday, but then Sunday morning is like all out, you know, we don't hold back. It's all the music and all the instruments and all the decorations and all the live flowers and um, any choir that we can get together, (laughs) you know. Uh, Some people will do a sunrise service. It's, again, not something that's a required thing. Uh, It can be a special thing, can be pretty special. I know as a child, I remember... Um, I w- I always loved the sunrise service. It would always be somewhere other than at the church. We'd maybe go to the local park or something. Um, mm-hmm. I remember being freezing cold, but I, you know, I wasn't wearing my Easter dress then. Um, but we'd go real early, and so it would be so cold outside, and all bundled up, and um, just talking about, you know, the women who went to the tomb to be able to put the spices on Jesus's body and him not being there. So exciting. and uh, but you know when in my in the tradition that I grew up in then or the congregation, I should say, <laughs> our tradition at that congregation was the sunrise service. you'd go home and change you'd come back to church and have breakfast together Ooh, before yeah. church and uh, and so that was always really fun and exciting. Um, I've done other sunrise services. I, there was one church that a, a Boy Scout had done for a project. He'd put this huge fire pit in. It was mammoth. And uh, so we'd, we'd do a big fire for sunrise service and just all stand around. And, you know, that was, it was really powerful. Just to be there in that space, that early morning, barely able to see each other um, because it's so early and the sun hadn't even risen yet. And so, you know, sunrise services can be, listen, as a pastor, it's a lot of work. As a staff person, it's like, okay, we've got this many services. Um, <laughs> uh, But hey, when it comes down to it, it's Easter and we're Easter people. We're the ones who celebrate the life and resurrection of Jesus and the hope and the life that we have because of him. So let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Those are my favorite. Yeah. You know, when, when we're able to have a sunrise service, um, those are my absolute favorite to either be a part of and planning and, you know, executing it mm-hmm. uh, or mm-hmm. even just attending. Sure. Um, really. it. I don't think it matters where a sunrise service is held. Mm-hmm. Um, if it, happens to be in the sanctuary just because that's how it works that year. Sure. Um, They're usually so different Mm -hmm. that they're just as special.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I would agree because yeah, there's, there's just something about a sunrise service uh, that makes them pretty powerful.
1: Yeah. And And then you come back and celebrate with everybody else with the, uh, the the grandness, the normal services.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty incredible. But Easter is all about the very life of Jesus, the fact that God raised him from the dead, that there is, there are no bones anywhere. <laughs> There's no relic that we can go and visit. No, he is alive. He is alive. Um, he is our hope. He is our life. He is our light. And that, that, is, that is who we are to be, and that we are to be proclaiming that every day, not just on Easter, but every day. Um, so... It's always a good time. I don't care. I don't care who you are. Easter is awesome. <laughs> it's so great. And again, there's all kinds of traditions. You know, nothing that that is set and mandated, but every congregation has their own traditions. Um I you know, I could go through every church that I've been a part of and and pull out their tradition for Easter, and that's got to be close to 8 or 9 churches at this point um in my life, but Every single one of them, though, it is just full of joy and excitement that they get to participate in that. So pretty cool. Pretty cool. So that's our Holy Week, right? That's from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday. And so I hope that you who are listening have um, been able to take part in that. I hope that you have found some really special times um over that holy week cuz we realize that this won't post until uh, after that but so we hope that it's been an important, a special time for you. And um and if you haven't taken part in in all of holy week before, maybe next year you'll you'll take part in some of that that you haven't. Um just to, just to see what it would be like. Yeah. To take that extra time mm-hmm so with all the spiritual disciplines with holy week and on all that is involved there uh, we're just praying that you are finding ways to seek god and to allow god to be present with you see where god is and that you would um every time that you're coming to prayer every time that you're seeking, seeing yourself in worship, every time you're reading scripture, whatever it is, that you're coming with that attitude, that you are ready for your heart and your life to be changed by the power of God. so much y'all for listening Um, don't forget like subscribe share because we are enjoying this enjoying being able to share with you and uh hope that you'll be able to share it with others so that we can just grow our little community here and hey don't forget pop on facebook ask us some questions write something in the comments let us know you're here and we will be sure to uh, address those as in the weeks ahead.
1: All right. See you next time.
0: All right, see you then.